Story seven of the Strength of Gideon and Other Stories by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Finish of Patsy Barnes. His name was Patsy Barnes, and he was a denizen of Little Africa. In fact, he lived on Douglas Street. By all the laws governing the relations between people and their names, he should have been Irish, but he was not. He was colored and very much so. That was the reason he lived on Douglas Street. The Negro has very strong within him the instinct of colonization, and it was in accordance with this that Patsy's mother had found her way to Little Africa when she had come north from Kentucky. Patsy was incorrigible. Even into the confines of Little Africa had penetrated the truant officer and the terrible penalty of the compulsory education law. Time and time again had poor Eliza Barnes been brought up on account of the shortcomings of that son of hers. She was a hard-working, honest woman, and day by day bent over her tub, scrubbing away to keep Patsy in shoes and jackets that would wear out so much faster than they could be bought. But she never murmured, for she loved the boy with a deep affection, though his misdeeds were a sore thorn in her side. She wanted him to go to school. She wanted him to learn. She had the notion that he might become something better, something higher than she had been. But for him, school had no charms. His school was the cool stalls in the big livery stable near at hand, the arena of his pursuits its sawdust floor, the height of his ambition to be a horseman. Either here or in the racing stables at the fairgrounds he spent his truant hours. It was a school that taught much, and Patsy was as apt a pupil as he was a constant attendant. He learned strange things about horses, and fine, sonorous oaths that sounded eerie on his young lips, for he had only turned into his fourteenth year. A man goes where he is appreciated, then could this slim black boy be blamed for doing the same thing? He was a great favorite with the horsemen, and picked up many a dime or nickel for dancing or singing, or even a quarter for warming up a horse for its owner. He was not to be blamed for this, for, first of all, he was born in Kentucky, and had spent the very days of his infancy about the paddocks near Lexington, where his father had sacrificed his life on account of his love for horses. The little fellow had shed no tears when he looked at his father's bleeding body, bruised and broken by the fiery young two-year-old he was trying to subdue. Patsy did not sob or whimper, though his heart ached, for over all the feeling of his grief was a mad, burning desire to ride that horse. His tears were shed, however, when actuated by the idea that times would be easier up north. They moved to Dalesford. Then, when he learned that he must leave his old friends, the horses and their masters, whom he had known, he wept. The comparatively meagre appointments of the fairgrounds at Dalesford proved a poor compensation for all these. For the first few weeks Patsy had dreams of running away, back to Kentucky and the horses and stables. Then, after a while, he settled himself with heroic resolution to make the best of what he had, 
and with a mighty effort took up the burden of life away from his beloved home. Eliza Barnes, older and more experienced though she was, took up her burden with a less cheerful philosophy than her son. She worked hard, and made a scanty livelihood, it is true, but she did not make the best of what she had. Her complainings were loud in the land, and her wailings for her old home smote the ears of any who would listen to her. They had been living in Dalesford for a year nearly, when hard work and exposure brought the woman down to bed with pneumonia. They were very poor, too poor even to call in a doctor, so there was nothing to do but to call in the city physician. Now this medical man had two frequent calls into little Africa, and he did not like to go there. So he was very gruff when any of its denizens called him, and it was even said that he was careless of his patients. Patsy's heart bled as he heard the doctor talking to his mother. "'Now there can't be any foolishness about this,' he said. "'You've got to stay in bed and not get yourself damp.' "'How long you think I ought to lay here, doctor?' she asked. "'I'm a doctor, not a fortune-teller,' was the reply. "'You'll lie there as long as the disease holds you.' "'But I can't lay here long, doctor, case I ain't got nothing to go on.' "'Well, take your choice, bed or the boneyard.' Eliza began to cry. "'You needn't sniffle,' said the doctor. "'I don't see what you people want to come up here for anyhow. "'Why don't you stay down south where you belong? "'You come up here and you're just a burden and a trouble to the city. "'The south deals with all of you better, both in poverty and crime.' "'He knew that these people did not understand him, "'but he wanted an outlet for the heat within him.' There was another angry being in the room, and that was Patsy. His eyes were full of tears that scorched him and would not fall. The memory of many beautiful and appropriate oaths came to him, but he dared not let his mother hear him swear. Oh, to have a stone, to be across the street from that man! When the physician walked out, Patsy went to the bed, took his mother's hand, and bend over shamefacedly to kiss her. He did not know that with that act the recording angel blotted out many a curious dam of his. The little mark of affection comforted Eliza unspeakably, the mother feeling overwhelmed in one of her burst of tears. Then she dried her eyes and smiled at him. Honey, she said, Mammy ain't going to lay here long. She be all right pretty soon. "'Never you mind,' said Patsy, with a choke in his voice. "'I can do something, and, well, we'll have another doctor.' "'Now listen to child. What can you do?' "'I'm a-going down to McCarthy's stable and see if I can get some horses to exercise.' A sad look came into Eliza's eyes as she said, "'You better not go, Patsy. Them horses kill you yet. This like they did your pappy.' But the boy, used to doing pretty much as he pleased, was obdurate, and even while she was talking, put on his ragged jacket and left the room. Patsy was not wise enough to be diplomatic. He went right to the point with McCarthy, the liveryman. The big red-faced fellow slapped him until he spun round and round. Then he said, "'Ye little devil ye! I've a mind to knock the whole head off ye!' "'You want hosses to exercise, do ye? "'Well, get on datin', and see what ye can do with them.' 
the boy's honest desire to be helpful had tickled the big generous irishman's peculiar sense of humor and from now on instead of giving patsy a horse to ride now and then as he had formerly done he put into his charge all the animals that needed exercise it was with the king's pride that patsy marched home with his first considerable earnings they were small yet and would go for food rather than a doctor but eliza was inordinately proud and it was this pride that gave her strength and the desire of life to carry through the days approaching the crisis of her disease as patsy saw his mother growing worse saw her grasping for breath heard the rattling as she drew in the little air that kept going her clogged lungs felt the heat of her burning hands and saw the pitiful appeal in her poor eyes he became convinced that the city doctor was not helping her she must have another but the money that afternoon after his work with mccarthy found him at the fairgrounds the spring races were on and he thought he might get a job warming up the horse of some independent jockey he hung around the stables listening to the talk of men he knew and some he had never seen before among the latter was a tall lanky man holding forth to a group of men no sir he was saying to them generally i'm going to withdraw my hoss because there ain't nobody to ride him as he ought to be rode i haven't brought a jockey along with me so i've got to depend on pickups now the talent said again my hoss black boy because he's been a losin regular but that hoss has lost for the want of a ridin that's all the crowd looked in at the slim-legged raw-boned horse and walked away laughing the fools muttered the stranger if i could ride myself i'd show em patsy was gazing into the stall at the horse what are you doing there called the owner to him look here mister said patsy ain't that a bluegrass hoss of course it is and one of the fastest that ever grazed i'll ride that horse mister what do you know about riding i used to generally be round mr boone's paddock in lexington and round boone's paddock what look here little nigger if you can ride that hoss to a winnin i'll give you more money than you ever seen before i'll ride him patsy's heart was beating very wildly beneath his jacket that horse he knew that glossy coat he knew that raw-boned frame and those flashing nostrils that black horse there owed something to the orphan he had made the horse was to ride in the race before the last somehow out of odds and ends his owner scraped together a suit in colors for patsy the colors were maroon and green a curious combination but then it was a curious horse a curious rider and a more curious combination that brought the two together long before the time for the race patsy went into the stall to become better acquainted with his horse the animal turned its wild eyes upon him and neighed he patted the long slender head and grinned as the horse stepped aside as gently as a lady he surely is full of ginger he said to the owner whose name he had found to be brackett he'll show him a thing or two laughed brackett his dam was a fast one said patsy unconsciously brackett whirled on him in a flash what do you know about his dam he asked 
the boy would have retracted but it was too late stammering he told the story of his father's death and the horse's connection therewith well said brackett if you don't turn out a hoodoo you're a winner sure but i'll be blessed if this don't sound like a story but i've heard that story before the man i got black boy from no matter how i got him you're too young to understand the ins and outs of poker told it to me when the bell sounded and patsy went out to warm up he felt as if he were riding on air some of the jockeys laughed at his get-up but there was something in him or under him maybe that made him scorn their derision he saw a sea of faces about him then saw no more only a shining white track loomed ahead of him and a restless steed was cantering with him around the curve then the bell called him back to the stand they did not get away at first and back they trooped a second trial was a failure but at the third they were off in a line as straight as a chalk mark there were essex and firefly queen bess and mosquito galloping away side by side and black boy a neck ahead patsy knew the family reputation of this horse for endurance as well as fire and began riding the race from the first black boy came of blood that would not be passed and to this his rider trusted at the eighth the line was hardly broken but as the quarter was reached black boy had forged a length ahead and mosquito was at his flank then like a flash essex shot out ahead under whip and spur his jockey standing straight in the stirrups the crowd in the stand screamed but patsy smiled as he lay low over his horse's neck he saw that essex had made her best spurt his only fear was for mosquito who hugged and hugged his flank they were nearing the three-quarter post and he was tightening his grip on the black essex fell back his spurt was over the whip fell unheeded on his sides the spurs dug him in vain black boy's breath touches the leader's ear they are neck and neck nose to nose the black stallion passes him another cheer from the stand and again patsy smiles as they turn into the stretch mosquito has gained a head the colored boy flashes one glance at the horse and rider who are so surely gaining upon him and his lips close in a grim line they are halfway down the stretch and mosquito's head is at the stallion's neck for a single moment patsy thinks of the sick woman at home and what that race will mean to her and then his knees close against the horse's sides with a firmer dig the spurs shoot deeper into the streaming flanks black boy shall win he must win the horse that has taken away his father shall give him back his mother the stallion leaps away like a flash and goes under the wire a length ahead then the band thundered and patsy was off his horse very warm and very happy following his mount to the stable there a little later brackett found him he rushed to him and flung his arms around him you little devil he cried you rode like you were kin to that hoss we've won we've won and he began sticking banknotes at the boy at first patsy's eyes bulged then he seized the money and got into his clothes going out to spend it asked brackett i'm going for a doctor for my mother said patsy she's sick don't let me lose sight of you 
"'Oh, I'll see you again. So long,' said the boy. An hour later he walked into his mother's room with a very big doctor, the greatest the druggist could direct him to. The doctor left his medicines and his orders, but when Patsy told his story, it was Eliza's pride that started her on the road to recovery. Patsy did not tell his horse's name. End of Story 7